0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Delighted to have you with me. And I just, uh, my goodness. <laughs> seeing, see, see I I was busy during commercial break and I'm seeing these comments as I as I I flip over to the Twitter screen and see <laughs> the comments about Hank Johnson um okay uh I, I we, we this I've gone back and forth on whether or not to have this conversation whether or not to talk to y'all about this. We've talked about this before, and that's kind of the point. Just follow along with me here. National Public Radio has run a story about emoji. Now, I'm going to say emoji, not emojis, because emoji is a Japanese word and there is no plural. It is emoji. Some people say emojis as they've anglicized it, but the emoji, the emoji for those of you who are emroids emoji are the little character symbols that you can text to each other the thumbs up confession uh, yes, i yes i'm going no i uh, why why can't i i'm always open and transparent i don't understand I, i'm being told i should not say the moment i said confession they knew what i was going to say they don't think I. Sh- I'm going to admit it. Do you know the emoji that I use the most? I shouldn't. Yeah, it's the middle finger one. They deserve it, though. Charlie and Philip deserve it regularly. Sometimes Pig Farmer Junior does too. They deserve it. I'm just confessing. Not perfect here. The halo is a little crooked. The emoji. Y'all, uh, National Public Radio believes that if you use the default yellow emoji, it's white privilege. It's white privilege. Now, I want you to just dive into this a little, if you will, please. The emoji until 2015 were always uniformly yellow. Simpsons, yellow. Bart Simpson, Homer Simpson, yellow. In 2015, there's an international consortium uh, that you can go to. If you believe there should be an emoji, you can design it and present it and make a case that it is universally applicable. The middle finger, universally applicable. People in Africa... People in Antarctica, people in North America, they all use the universal middle finger emoji. They do. Somewhere right now, members of my family listening to this program are in deep concerted prayer for my soul. But it's true. Emoji are universally applicable. To, To get an emoji through the International Consortium, you have to make the case it is universally applicable. Now, of course... They have a Western bias, which is why you get pregnant man. Yes, the latest emoji is the pregnant man. It actually looks like a man who's had too much beer and barbecue. That's how I'm going to use the emoji. But they're claiming it's a pregnant man, which means they have a distinctly Western secular bias, a bias towards the crazy town. But nonetheless, you could design an emoji and get it through. And in 2015, some group of people convinced the Emoji Consortium that they should have racial colors. You should have racial colors. They have five racial colors now. They have pasty white boy. They have white boy who tans. They have Hispanic... They have brown, and they have Ralph Northam blackface. Those are the five emoji colors. Pasty white boy, white boy who tans, Hispanic, brown, and Ralph Northam Justin Trudeau blackface. That, that's it. Those are the ones. They actually define the, the Ralph Northam Justin Trudeau one as non-white, never tans. Non-white, never Never tan or no, I'm sorry, non-white never sunburns, non-white never sunburns. That's how they describe it. In other words, really black. Do you know what? Hardly anyone uses that one, even in Africa, it is the least used emoji. So NPR runs a story. Now follow up here because I don't actually care about the NPR story per se. I know it sounds like I do, but I'm trying to set the stage for you on all all the background here. Follow along with me here. NPR does a story on the emojis. Set it in plural. And you've got to find the timeline. You've got to understand the timeline to understand why I care about the story. You've got to understand the timeline. The change came in 2015. In 2016... The Atlantic Magazine published a piece, and I talked about it on this program in 2016, where people who suffer from white guilt, people who suffer from white guilt are stressed about their emoji choice. Do they use yellow, the default Or do they invest in caring enough to choose their racial identity? And what if they don't choose their racial identity? And what if black people choose the white? Or what if the white people choose the black and you get digital blackface? And lo and behold, along comes a study from the University of Edinburgh, Scotland, in 2018. And it turns out in North America... The racial preferences are evenly split among all five emoji on Twitter. This is where the study comes from. The study was based on tweets. I didn't even know you could pick a racial default on Twitter, but apparently you can. And in 2018, overwhelmingly around the world, the white emoji are used And in the United States. It's a pretty even distribution among all five. According to the study, even in Africa, even in Africa, the darkest black emoji is the least used. But this was on Twitter, and it turns out a majority of all people, regardless of race, use the yellow emoji, the default. And in fact, non-white people are more likely to take off the default, and white people leave the default on. But overwhelmingly, across all races, people use the default that story that study came out in 2018 so you have the change made in 2015 the atlantic story in 2016 the study in 2018 and then in 2022 18 and 19 four years later just making sure i was about to say three but four years four years later in PR, news does a story on the study that's four years old, and they reference the article that's six years old about the change that's seven years old. And along the way, this is why I care, 2020 happened. In 2020, the New York Post published a story about Hunter Biden A computer repair shop looked at Hunter Biden's hard drive. They had pictures of Hunter Biden with prostitutes. Hunter Biden uh, engaged in in indecent acts. Hunter Biden smoking crack. Hunter Biden's crack pipe. Hunter Biden high as a kite. Uh, Hunter Biden's business negotiations with the Chinese and Ukrainians and others. And the New York Post ran the story and the left attacked. They got Twitter to turn off. The New York Post's Twitter account, they claimed it was fake news. They opined it was most likely a Russian hit job. The story was very real. Hunter Biden has taste in ugly prostitutes. Poor taste in ugly prostitutes. Hunter Biden has poor taste in crack pipes. He's probably going to be the face of his father's crack pipe initiative hunter biden was getting deals with the chinese and giving kickbacks to his father joseph r biden president of the united states it's all true it is all true and what is also true is that npr news washington decided the story wasn't worth their time and bragged about it bragged about the story was not worth their time. It was a partisan hit job in an election designed to shake up people's confidence in Joe Biden and they would not touch it. They wanted nothing to do with the story. They bragged about it. They put it in writing that they would not cover this story. The story of a man whose father would be president of the United States, who in his emails mentioned that in any business deal he got, he had to give his father a kickback. The same Hunter R. Biden, who is now creating crap artwork that is being sold for lots of money, and those purchasers could be getting invited to go meet with dad at the White House, and the media is absolutely uninquisitive about any of this. That's why I care about the story. I care about the story because National Public Radio refused to cover the Hunter Biden story and openly bragged about not covering the Hunter Biden story and in 2022 takes the time to tell their white audience that if you don't use the white emoji you might be expressing your white privilege through indifference. And it's based on a 2015 change that was covered in 2016 and studied in 2018, and it took them until 2022 to arrive at it. So maybe by 2040, they will actually look at the Hunter Biden story. That's why this is a story it's not the absurdity of the left-wing white guilt white privilege hand wringing of oh my gosh you use the default yellow it must be you asserting your white privilege why because whiteness is presumed to be racelessness let me read you some of the quotes Some white people may stick with the yellow emoji because they don't want to assert their privilege by adding a light-skinned emoji to a text or to take advantage of something that was created to represent diversity. There was a default in society to associate whiteness with being raceless, and the emojis gave white people an option to make their race explicit. White people who do not use the white emoji may passively be expressing their white privilege by not caring. That is some 21st century psychobabble bull crap. Subsidized by taxpayers. Why are my tax dollars being used to fund an institution that dismissed a legitimate news story as it happened in 2020, but now chooses to use your tax dollars and mine to cover a very old story and to cover it from the lens of white privilege, that if you do not explicitly embrace your race through emoji selection, you might be a racist. Maybe it's time to stop funding National Public Radio. Oof just looked at the stock market the inflation news it's not going so well yikes this hour of the program brought to you by first liberty building and loan if you need access to a loan uh, for a small business reach out to first liberty first liberty ga.com and up they can help your business grow first I forgot to do that earlier. Jim was going to remind me at the end of the hour, and I decided I would surprise and delight him by remembering to do it myself now. Y'all, you know what the left wants to ruin now? The Super Bowl. They're actually, so the Super Bowl is scheduled to be in Arizona in uh, 2023. But uh, left-wing agitators are trying to do to Arizona what Stacey Abrams did to Georgia with getting Major League Baseball to move their baseball game out of the state. Uh, they want the Super Bowl canceled in Arizona for passing uh, voting reforms in Arizona. They also, that, that it, it's not like they've had an MLK day out there. So uh, it's racist, racism, uh, because the left isn't getting what it wants. At the same time, you know, they're blasting the NFL On this uh, lawsuit by the coach from the Miami Dolphins. Approve of racism. It's all racism. You know, racism used to be defined as believing one race to be superior and acting accordingly. Uh, Racism is now defined as anything the left doesn't like is racist. That's not to say there aren't problems. There are problems. The problem is, however, that it's really hard to discuss the problems of race and racism in America when literally race has become the thing the left doesn't like. Words have meaning. Words are not violence, but words have meaning. Racism is a word that should have real meaning. That meaning should be fixed as the North Star and should have a powerful influence on society so that we realize it is a bad word representing a bad thing that we as a people should dedicate ourselves to stamping out. Racism is wrong and bad. We are all created equal in the sight of God regardless of our skin color. Therefore, none of us, should be able to look at ourselves and decide we are superior based on the color of our skin. And yet, for political reasons, people in this country, primarily but not exclusively on the left, have redefined racism to mean anything they hate is bad. And it has degraded the word, so it has no more effect or meaning on the world. You may not like things that happen in the world, but that does not mean these things are racist. And to call everything racist means nothing is racist. And racism is real and bad and wrong, but it becomes harder and harder for people to tell what we're talking about when anything the left doesn't like is suddenly deemed racist. It just allows the racist to carry on. And these days, a lot of people on the left seem pretty racist in how they want to treat black kids and white kids and school access and the like. Now, something that is enjoyable and delicious is Omaha Steaks. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up on, what, Monday. Get your orders in, folks. Do, 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 Get your orders in. You know, a nice steak dinner for Valentine's Day would be great. And, you know, there's the big game this weekend as well. Go to omahsteaks.com. You can get great deals for Valentine's, for football, for the end of the football season, for the beginning of baseball season, if it ever, ever happens. Or if you just want your friends and family over, you get really, really great value. And right now, you can get four free chicken breasts and four free pork chops from Omaha Steaks with their incredible packages, whether it's for the big game or you just want a lot of food, go to OmahaSteaks.com. And, you know, get the caramel apple tartlets as well, particularly if you have dessert. My wife loves them. They're individually wrapped. She just pops them in the oven, and she heats them up individually. She puts a little ice cream with them. She's the one who's doing all the weight loss stuff, and it's working. She's lost like 60 pounds, but she gets one of these things, and she loves it. OmahaSteaks.com has incredible values, incredible deals, and right now, four free chicken breasts, four free pork chops with all the deals you see by going to OmahaSteaks.com, putting Eric, E-R-I-C-K, in the search bar, save money, get great food from OmahaSteaks.com. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. Well, I'm I'm going to go down the road less traveled, a topic I wasn't even going to talk about. Um, well, I was going to talk briefly, but then I started really getting into the story and it just, it infuriates me. Get ready. All right. To get here, I'm going to do, you know, I I'm okay. So tangent. You know, I got a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, and our kids go to a small classical education Christian school, and the the 16-year-old was late getting there. Um, she was already at our church's school, no less, where, oh my, don't get me started. Nonetheless, um, she's a little less sheltered than the younger one who we started at the school younger, and I'll never forget taking him to see the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. He had to have been probably eight at the time, and there's that scene in the movie where Spider-Man's friend Ned is in the library and is trying to look up how to how to um, steer and use a particular car, and it's during prom when the teacher comes in and says, Ned, what are you doing in the library? He doesn't want to say he's helping Spider-Man, so he says, i um, looking at porn. And the whole audience in the theater laughs, except my eight-year-old, who says, what's porn? I thought, thank God. Thank you, Lord. And then the very last scene in the movie is uh, Peter Parker's Aunt May says, what the f-? And the movie cuts before she says the word, and my kid had no idea what she was saying. It's like, thank you, Jesus. Our kid is in the right school. Now he is 13 little more worldly wise we've had to have the, the 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 talk that all fathers dread talking about and but um, he wanted to play soccer this year and his grades have been terrible and we had to get him to bring up his grades and then it was too late to play soccer but he went to the coach himself and said look I, I got my grades up he took his math grade from the 40s to the 80s and um, this was just in the semester. He he made great at the end of last semester, and then this semester got back in his homework grades. He rushes through his homework, doesn't care about the homework, and the homework grades dragged him down into the 40s, and we had to come to Jesus' meeting with him, and then he wanted to play soccer, so he knew he had to get his grades up. But my wife was so adamant that he comes home, he's worn out, he's fussy, he doesn't want to do it. Uh, she made him sign a contract, and man, I read the contract, and I was like, you, you might as well prick your finger and sign it in blood because your mama got you on this one. And my goodness gracious, um, so he's got to he's got to do his take care of bringing his clothes down for laundry and have a good attitude and can't be whining, and fussy, and and hangry and all this. And it's just the joys of raising kids made him sign a contract, sign his life away, and he's going to be bound by it or else there will be hell to pay. And I have tried to explain to him that he may think of the hell of the Bible and the lake of fire and that he would crave compared to his mother's temper, so he better actually keep his end of the deal here. Now, raising kids is hard, and we don't always get it right. All of us have stories, I'm sure, about things our parents did to us uh that that linger in the back of our mind regardless of how forgiving we are and stuff everybody has something their parents do that the kids wish the parents had done something differently and then you get the joys of having kids and get to realize how much how difficult it actually was to have kids and to navigate it and and you make a commitment to not do those things that your parents did to you that linger in your your mind and then you do other stuff that your kid is going to Grow up and be a parent, and it's going to linger in their mind. And, and all of us screw up in different ways. No parent is perfect, and all of us probably grow up thinking that the other parent is is that our friends have a perfect parent, and little do we know what's going on. It's hard, and one of the things that makes it even harder these days to raise kids. One of my deep frustrations as a parent is it's not even the over, but the hyper sexualization of society. And increasingly in society, it's really, really common for kids to be exposed to sexualization. Adidas yesterday ran an ad on Twitter and it showed a series of women's breasts exposed as if it was no big deal. I hope to have my Twitter account deleted before they're trying to sell jockstraps because this was an ad for bras. Our kids get exposed and every, you know, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago and he knows his son views pornography. And I, this is a, a good guy. I like the guy, and but he knows his son looks at pornography, and his view is, "Well, he did it at that age." You got a teenage son engaged in pornography, and your response is, "Well, I did it at that age." Who am I to judge? You're the dad. Let his kid gamble and watch porn. It's, and then you, as a parent, who you're protective of your kids. You want to raise them with your values. But you can't, like I do, send your kid to a, a Christian school. And by the way, we sent our kids to Christian school before, and <laughs> we now our kids are at a real Christian school. And you try your best to protect them. You send your kids to public school, and the public schools have their way with them. You know, in Florida, there's a... Um, bill pending in the, in the legislature, it's being characterized by the media as don't say you're gay bill. What's actually going on with this bill. It's of course the media and the left want to mischaracterize it. Uh, what's going on is that schools in Florida, uh, repeatedly now we know have been down to kindergarten we're not talking high school here, we're talking kindergarten, have been indoctrinating kids on sexuality and sex choices and gender choices and things like that, as if it is the kindergarten's right to tell a five-year-old, well, maybe you're gay. Maybe you are, but why is it something to bring up in kindergarten? And then there's this in Connecticut a Connecticut school is under fire for handing out a pizza and consent assignment. Pizza and consent assignment to eighth graders. To eighth grade students, they were given a handout stating that pizza can be used as a metaphor for sex, which instructed students to list their favorite and least favorite pizza toppings in relation to sex. Here are some examples. Likes, cheese equals kissing. Dislikes, olives equals giving oral. State of the assignment. To eighth graders. Now that you know this metaphor for sex, let's explore your preferences. Draw and color your favorite type of pizza. What's your favorite style of pizza? Your favorite toppings. What are your pizza no-nos? Mirror those preferences in relation to sex. This is an eighth grade. Do you know that the mouse, we've talked about this, the Mackman County School District, in East Tennessee that banned the book, Mouse, except they didn't ban the book, but it was advertised and to this day is talked about in the presses as they banned the book from 8th grade. They didn't ban the book from 8th grade. They decided not to use it as a teaching tool in 8th grade because that local school board in that local county in that local public school system decided that they did not want to show the depictions of nudity, violence, suicide, and sex that were in that book. Two eighth graders, and yet here in Connecticut, the eighth graders are learning about pizza and oral. Extra sausage on the meat pizza, what does that mean? Pizza and consent. And yet, so here's the thing, and this is, this is the part that, that bothers me tremendously. The people in Connecticut and New Jersey and New York and Washington, the coastal elite who would ridicule this school district in Tennessee for saying it's too soon to teach our kids about this, are teaching their eighth graders about oral sex and pizza. And they're shaming and condemning The parts of the country that think, you know, our kids aren't ready for this shit. They're shaming Florida for thinking that maybe kindergarten teachers should not be telling kindergartners you might be gay. Let's explore your same-sex attractions in kindergarten. And when legislatures move to say, no, you got to cut that out suddenly it's bad and hysteria. And you don't get the honest story. You do not get the honest story of what's actually happening in these places because the cultural elite, where it's fine for them, think that the rest of us, we should have to go along for the ride to hell. And in some of these schools, some of these progressive areas, I don't know, what was it Washington State wanted to ban To Kill a Mockingbird, because the use of the N-word, it might hurt their feelings. So in these progressive enclaves, because the feelings we can't actually read. By the way, it is my favorite book. To Kill a Mockingbird is my favorite book. I love that book. I love the movie to kill a mockingbird as a movie it's a wonderful movie about that book and it misses some of the most wonderful moments of the book. If you've ever seen the movie you should read the book it's a delightful book. It's so well I I maybe delightful is the right I love the book. I passionately love that book. I care deeply for that book and some parts of the country won't let the good progressive kids read the book because it has the N word because it's documenting a terrible time in the south. And it gives you a great picture. And these same people are upset because this eight, this school district in Tennessee doesn't want to use mouse. I'd never even heard of mouse until the controversy existed. I looked it up. I wouldn't want my eighth grader reading it. I want him to know about the Holocaust. And guess what? The kids in that eighth grade school system learn about the Holocaust, but they learn about it without having to see pictures of suicide. In Connecticut, they're, show, they're getting 8th graders to write about their sexual preferences. God help us if 8th graders are having that much sex. Lee Snodgrass is a member of the Wisconsin General Assembly. She has now deleted this tweet that she posted right as we were going to air today. She said, if parents want to, quote, unquote, have a say, she put that in quotes, have a say. If parents want to have a say in their child's education, they should homeschool or pay for private school tuition out of their family budget. Too bad, pors. Sorry, poor's. You got to go to Walmart and public school. Can't go to Target and you can't homeschool or go to private school. We're not going to give you the money. And you poorers, you know, your money also goes to pay for the public school education. But Lee Snodgrass and Democrats and legislatures around the country don't want you to have a say about your kid's education. You get what you get and you don't pitch fit. As the local preschool taught my kid to say, and she was three years old, you get what you get and you don't pitch fit. You get lessons on oral sex in eighth grade. And gay indoctrination in kindergarten. And don't you pitch a fit. You may not be able to learn to read, write, or add, or subtract, or divide, or multiply. But you'll learn all about sex. And that's what's most important, right? According to the left these days, at least. This is why there is a parental revolt in education around the country. This is why parents are tired. It's like Afghanistan with the president. Nobody goes to the grocery store these days and looks at the empty store shelves and says, well, freaking Afghanistan. No, it's that Afghanistan, it it cemented in their minds that Biden really is an incompetent moron, maybe a dementia adult patient. It, 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 It changed their perception. The public's perception of Joe Biden fundamentally and irreversibly, irrevocably changed because of how he handled Afghanistan. He went from looking competent and empathetic to being a cold cruel and competent leader. And lockdowns and Zoom calls did the same thing for education. For years, Republicans and conservatives have been telling people how bad public education had gotten in this country. Nobody believed them. They didn't know any better. They didn't see it for their own eyes. And here, during lockdown, parents were forced to be in the same room as their kid on a Zoom call with their teacher. They got to see and hear it all themselves. They got to see firsthand what All the stuff conservatives were saying, and it turned out we were right. And now the Democrats can't help themselves saying, if you don't like it, pay for your own kids' education. And you're like, my taxes pay for this education. My taxes pay for this curriculum. And so you have a voter rebellion in the works by parents who are mad as hell at their kids' education. Good. Turns out everything we said was true, and you should not be forced to deal with elected officials who believe you get no say in what your child is taught unless you get your child out of the public school, and in the public school, we're going to give them pizza as a metaphor for sex. If this keeps going on, just burn it all down and go back to individual schoolhouses where everybody pulls their money themselves and teaches their kids as opposed to dealing with a public education bureaucracy that does not care about the kids and only cares about union dues. What are the organizations that fight for school choice? It's called Patriot Mobile. It's a cell phone company, but it's conservative and Christian and they share your values, and they want your business so they can generate more profits to give more money to the conservative movement. And you get quality cell phone service with them. You get 5G, you get mobile, you get voice, you get wireless data, you name it. You get it from Patriot Mobile. You can even save some money. They give great discounts, veterans, first responders, large families, teachers, NRA members, discounts, and you can get free activation with my name. What you do is go to patriotmobile.com eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. It's 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. And you do business with a conservative Christian company that shares your values and gives a portion of its profits to fight for the causes you care about. You don't have to go woke with your cell phone provider. You can use Patriot Mobile. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. We can all have a laugh at this one, I think. Uh, Anna Leproskaya is a Russian artist who painted a painting called Three Figures. Uh, The painting is worth around a million dollars. Painted it between 1932, 1934, during the abstract art period in Russia, And it's a painting of three people, and you can tell it's people, a little oddly shaped, but you can tell it's people, but there's no face. It's just the oval for the face, and it's shaded to look three-dimensional. There's no oval. Well, on the first day of his new job at the State Tchaikovsky Gallery in Moscow, I'm sorry, that's where it was on loan. This was in St. Petersburg. Um, at the Yeltsin Center, the security guard, brand new security guard, took a ballpoint pen and decided to draw the eyes on the faces and destroyed the very famous Soviet painting. <laughs> yeah, it was an employee of a private security guard guarding the Yeltsin Center his very first day on the job who defaced the painting by um Anna Leperskaya. It who is a very famous painting uh I find it very funny uh I do I'm sorry I shouldn't but I do he drew the faces on the faceless people It's 2022 things are still crazy yeah, things haven't settled down and now you got the federal reserve and interest rates you got the economy you got inflation a lot of banks won't even return your phone call Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can